So today's uh, sermon is from Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. And uh, we've been going through uh, several months of uh, the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Two in particular has been leading us through this this book. And it's it's really um, a series of sermons on uh, the building of a wall. One project, the building of a wall. And every uh, week after week, we've been learning uh, more and more of the different episodes that lead up to this. Um, and it's all around this one building project. Um, I, I was thinking about this, and maybe it was because this week I was in an academic conference, but I was thinking about this and I was like, hmm, this is like, like a lot of uh, projects that uh, academics do. You know, a PhD project, for instance. You know, for, for most PhD students, I should be careful what I say. <laughs> According to the university guidelines, <laughs> a PhD should last three to four years. <laughs> Sometimes it lasts a little longer. <laughs> um, and and you know, oftentimes when I uh, I, I check in with uh, PhD students, I say, well, you know, how, how's how's your progress? They don't like those types of questions, you know. And and sometimes I say, well, remind me, are you in your third year? No. Are you in your fourth year? No, oh, you're, you're in your final year, <laughs> whatever year that is, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, for, for PhD projects, you know, there, there's a sense in which, you know, a PhD is a project and it ends, hopefully, you know, at some point, right, that, that there's a beginning and an end and there's a focus on this project. And like this wall, like this uh, building of a wall, it seems like it's just a project to build a wall. Right? That's the task at hand. But for Nehemiah, and actually also for, for PhDs, it's not just a project. It is a project that tests, that trains, that shows the character of the persons behind it. Uh, much like a PhD, a PhD is actually uh, a, a first project that... Uh, that that shows how an individual um, thinks and works like, a, like somebody with a PhD, like an academic. For this wall, for Nehemiah, it is a project that is demonstrating in part what it means to be living out uh, a life for God, for a purpose uh, that, that is serving for God. It is more than just little tasks, if you will. But it is also about um, revealing the character of Nehemiah um, as, as a person who follows after God. Like uh, a good PhD, of course, this, this passage here actually has a thesis statement. Okay? Uh, so verse 1 of, if you have your Bibles in uh, chapter 6, verse 1, th- th- this is a thesis statement for our whole passage, if you will, the, the, the main argument or the main uh, thrust of this passage. And it says in verse 1, Now when Sanballat uh, and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, um, although up to that time I had not set up uh, the doors in the gates, Sanballat and, and Geshem sent to me, saying all these things. So here is the setting of the stage, that the wall is almost completed. The wall that they have been tasked to do is almost complete. 
They have been uh, working on this for however long, right? Um, and, and now they are near completion. There is no breach in it. In other words, the, the, the main structure of the wall is done. It's just missing the doors, basically, that, that um, would f finish off the, um, the wall. But not only that, but the news of this wall's completion was traveling. Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, their enemies, the Jews, enemy, the enemies of the Jews, heard about what was going on. Now, what I thought was interesting, I, I, I noticed that when I was uh, um, looking at this passage, that the last time I preached um, from Nehemiah, a, a couple weeks back, I was preaching from chapter 4 of, of this passage, and in chapter 4, we have Sunbalat and Tobiah as well. And if you recall from chapter 4, that was the passage in which um, they were taunting the Jews and, and trying to oppose the work of the wall and, and leading the Jews, um, uh, uh, sort of um, challenging the Jews and saying, you know, threatening them. And so the Jews had to bear arms and tools at the same time. And here, in this passage, we're given again this, this, uh, uh, these two characters, and now a, a third character, Geshem. And clearly what we have is uh, that the neighboring um, regions are not pleased about what's happening with the Jews and with Nehemiah. And we have um, the story, is, 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 is this passage that uh, I've read, um, is really divided into two parts. The first half um, is about a set of, of letters. Now, first, Sambalat and Geshem send letters to Nehemiah to ask him to meet at some neutral place. Okay, why is he sending these letters? You know, is it why are they sending these letters? Is it because you know they've had tensions in the past and trying to reconcile differences? Is it because they have some, uh, some scheming, uh, scheme against um, Nehemiah? For Nehemiah, he suspected the latter. He suspected they were up to no good. After all, it was Sambalat who plotted against him in chapter 4. But also, Nehemiah still had a task. He wasn't done with the wall. He had work to do for God. And taking him away from this task would not be wise and counterproductive. So he wanted to focus. Nehemiah said no, communicating really only that second point. But Sanballat and Geshem persisted, not once, not twice, but four times. Four times they asked Nehemiah to meet with him. And four times Nehemiah said no, because he needed to finish God's work. Clearly for Nehemiah, he was not going to go. He thought that, it, he, he said that he would be di distracted and he wanted to finish the task that was before him. Going away would distract him from that task. But if coercion uh, wouldn't work, Sambala's second tactic in this passage is character assassination, if you will. So after those four letters, Sambala penned another letter, spreading a rumor that Nehemiah was out to set himself as a king and to lead a rebellion against the Persian Empire. Now, this wasn't just any letter. 
The first four letters were private letters. They are likely in a sealed scroll and meant for Nehemiah to read alone. The fifth letter was public. In verse 5, uh, the ESV uh, describes it as an open letter. So if we think about it uh, in today's terms, you know, those first four letters are like emails or text message, right? It's just sent to that, that person, right? But the last letter is like blasted on social media, right? It's covered on Fox News or, or the Daily Mail. You know, it's, it's public, right? And it's like, look at what this guy is doing, right? So it's not just a matter of sending a, a private letter, but this is a serious uh, smear campaign that he's involved in. It's an early form of cancel culture, if you will, okay? Um, but Nehemiah, what does Nehemiah do? His resolve we find in verse 9, in which he says, For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work, and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Nehemiah's resolve is the same that he's, he's had since the beginning, to persist. To persist despite the taunts, despite the threats, despite these uh, character assassinations. His resolve is to persist and to plead to God for the work to be finished, to have God, to ask God to strengthen his hands. Now, if we want to talk about character, okay, this is a man who's dedicated. Nehemiah has a character of one who serves the goals and aspirations of another, of God. But it is not only dedication. He knows that he cannot do it without God's strength. And it's, it's quite interesting because I think for, uh, oftentimes, um, you know, there, there's this, uh, um, th- there's sometimes a, uh, what we call a savior complex, uh, that, that as Christians, you know, we, we, we see things that, um, uh, that, that God wants, uh, to have happened, and we, we are willing to serve, and we're willing to, um, to, to do these things. But here, it is not that Nehemiah is doing it alone, but that Nehemiah is serving with God, as well as with the Israelites. And so he is one who's dedicated to the task, but wants to see the task come through, because he is doing it not alone, but with the Israelites, with God's people, and with God himself. So that's the, the, the first half of the passage. The second half of path, the, the second half of the passage talks about this person, Shemaiah, a Jew who's likely a, a priest or a prophet. Uh, we don't really know too much about Shemaiah. But again, for Shemaiah, he asks Nehemiah to come leave his work and to go to him, to meet him in the Jewish temple. The reason for this, Shemaiah says that there are some who are trying to kill Nehemiah, so he should take refuge in the temple. It turns out that Shemaiah is on the take. Okay, He's a Jew. He's been bribed by Tobiah and Symbolet to lure Nehemiah out and to take him away from his work. Now, this is an interesting passage because first, 
We saw Nehemiah's enemies sending private messages to coerce Nehemiah away from his work. Then we saw them on a public campaign to smear his reputation, his character, his person. Now we see his enemies employing one of Nehemiah's own, um, uh, uh, another Jew, um, employing one of Nehemiah's own and, se- and in sending him death threats through this fellow Jew. We know it, it's, it's as though um, you know, these death threats are being sent at the, to this front door. We know where you live and we have spies even amongst your people. But again, Nehemiah is unrelenting. He's not going to run. He's got, to work, he's got work to do and he was focused on finishing it. Nehemiah's resolve we find in uh, uh, verse 14 of our passage. And this, I, I think, is a, is a really interesting passage, because, or this uh, resolve, because this resolve we find in the form of a prayer. In chapter 6, verse 14, it reads, Remember Tobiah and Symbolot, O my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Nobadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. Now, when I read this, for the first thing I was thinking was, who, who is this person, Noadiah? Who is this person? Okay? We actually don't know. Okay? And, and, and the passage doesn't tell us more than that one line. But what we have is, in this, this uh, especially verses 10 through 14, what we have are different Jews. Shemaiah, Noadiah, and supposedly other prophets, other Jewish prophets who are not on Nehemiah's side. Nehemiah is, of course, working on behalf of the Jewish people, of Israelite, but there are people within their community that are not in agreement. And in effect, if they're not in agreement with Nehemiah, they're on the side of the enemies. Nehemiah had a task before him to build a wall, a project, if you will. And for whatever reason, they were, the, these fellow Jews were afraid or did not want to see this wall being built. They didn't want to see this come to flourishing. They are not willing to take the same steps of faith for God that Nehemiah was wanting to do. But more important than this, this uh, uh, character of Noadiah is that this prayer, uh, what, what, what uh, Nehemiah says in this prayer, he says, remember Tobiah and Sambalat, oh my God, according to these things that they did, and all these prophetesses and prophets who want to make me afraid. For, for Nehemiah, his prayer is to God to remember. Why does God need to remember? Is God forgetful? Is God not aware of what's going on? You know, you think about your own prayers, right? You know, when you pray to God and you, you ask God for things, you know, you ask God about the things that are pressing on your heart, when you ask God, 
why are why do we need to ask God? Have you ever thought about why do we need to pray to God if He knows all that's in our hearts, all that is in this world? Is it that He doesn't know anything? Is it that you know we have to teach Him something? The answer, of course, is no. You know, God does not need us to remind him. God is not forgetful. God is not aware of what's going on. But this idea of remembering is actually quite key for Nehemiah. And, and in other passages in, in this book, we find Nehemiah speaking, about, speaking to God about remembering. And, and I, I was thinking about this, and it's, it's like in um, uh, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 8, uh, after the flood, when, when the flood is, uh, has happened and um, no one is on the ark and all this, you know, there's, in Genesis chapter 8, you know, it says that God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the water subsided, right? So that brought the end of the flood. But that God remembered Noah and all his beasts. All the beasts. And so, in Genesis 8, it's, a, it's, it's not that God had forgotten, but in, in a sense that Noah, um, Noah and, and the beasts were all brought to um, attention at that point. Or when, when we think about um, uh, Leah and Rachel and, uh, and, and Jacob, and Leah kept bearing children, had child after child, and Jacob and Rachel, Rachel was deeply ashamed. Why? Because she was infertile, it seemed. Yet in Genesis 30, the Bible records, then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And in both of those instances, whether we're talking about Noah or Rachel, there's a sense in which there's a longevity in the waiting, right? There, there's, there's a, a long time in which people are persisting, just like Nehemiah here, are persisting and waiting. We, we could also think about the New Testament, when Jesus shares with his disciples the Lord's Supper, offering the bread and wine, and telling him, do this in remembrance of me. There's something that is happening with the bread and the wine that is calling towards us, towards the time in which Christ will return. But probably the closest passage to uh, the closest kind of uh, framing of, of the language of remembrance is when Jesus is on the cross. When he's on the cross and there's a criminal beside him in, in Luke chapter 23 who tells Jesus Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Right, this petition to remember me when you come into your kingdom. In which, of course, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. See, within the Bible, when we have this idea of remembering, and this prayer of remembering, this petitioning for God to remember, Remembering memory is not simply the invoking of a thought, a passing thought in your mind. It's not just remembering something 
oh yeah, I forgot about uh, you know to buy milk at the at the grocery store, or it's not remembering. Oh yeah, I remember that fun time that we had at, on that trip. You know, it's not just a sentimental thing, or it's not just a, a incidental uh, thing that that passes through our minds. Remembering in the Bible is about the declaration that God is consistent, that God is persistent, that God is always true, and always holding, holding tight onto uh, His promises. That God is a God of truth. That God is a God of promises. God is a God of hope. And for Nehemiah, he is praying these prayers. Really, if you read the words, you know, they're, they're basically words of judgment. Right? They're words in which he cannot do anything to Tobiah and Sambalit and all these prophets and prophetesses, but he wants God to do something. And he wants God to bring about judgment. When that may be is uncertain, but he wants that to happen. And so for Nehemiah, his prayer is for God to remember in that God may be affirmed that his work may come through, his work may come through as planned, and in it, not only in this project, but also in this bigger um, relationship that Nehemiah has with God, that God will indeed right the injustices, but also bring upon blessings. All will be fulfilled in God's promises, because it is he, God, who remembers. And I think for ourselves um, as Christians, in our own endeavors, whatever it may be that God calls us to, it's not about, uh, as, as I said earlier, it's, it's not about simply the, the, the different tasks that we have in our lives, but what it is that God has called us as people, as people who are striving to build our characters and to, to do things for God, that we work not by our strength alone, but alongside others and alongside God. And as we encounter conflict and difficulties, we know that we can call upon God, and even more, we can call upon God to remember and to remember us and to remember those who have um, treated us unjustly, but also to remember how we are to be blessed and how we are to be a blessing. We are to plead to Him to remember and to speak with authority that God be truly God through all His promises and through all His works. Thanks be to God. Father, we give thanks to you, for you are one who has worked uh, through your prophet uh, Nehemiah, um, through uh, this, uh, in, 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 in our, our Bibles, these few chapters of, of building a wall. And we thank you that, um, that through the process, uh, we learn of, of, on the one hand, Nehemiah's uh, unswerving perseverance. They perseveres to the end to building the wall. 
but even more of your perseverance, that you are a God that is true and persistent and one that can be trusted. And Father, I ask that you help us uh, wherever we are, that uh, that oftentimes uh, we are um, a people who are inconsistent. We are a people that sway in our 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 choices and and our uh, our decisions and our uh, what we do. That we are not we we fail quite often in doing things um, in ways that bring honor to you. Help us, God. Strengthen our hands, God. And remember your servants. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen.